we don't know what's going on. We're just going to be honest with you. You know, uh, every day we have to come in and figure out who's been exposed to COVID and who has it, who's quarantining, who's not. Uh, can we do worship this Sunday? What did the government say? What did the healthcare people say? What do, and it's just about to send me over the edge uh, with this thing. So uh, you, you know how I am with meetings anyway and administration and details. And now I'm having to do it every day. Uh, it's just about to send me over the edge. So, uh, but uh, we are doing our best uh, to pay attention to what we hear from healthcare professionals, from the hospitals, uh, from uh, federal, local uh, leadership. Uh, we've got some inside back room kind of conversations that go on about we're finding out about how the illness is tracking and that kind of stuff. And, uh, and I love, you know, some of you are saying, well, you just need to trust us to do what's right. We did it Thanksgiving. And you went home and you hugged grandma and all your cousins and aunts, and now we had a COVID spike. Uh, <laughs> so uh, so we're, 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 we're about through that one. They're anticipating another spike because of Christmas. Uh, and so as far as we know, we're going to be live uh, in some form or fashion, and we hope to be adding back uh, the children's aspect of it over the next uh, few weeks, uh, depending on how the numbers go. But we, we uh, uh, appreciate your understanding, and we appreciate your support, and, uh, and we know you're frustrated. Uh, we're frustrated, so let's just all be frustrated together. Uh, and, and know that it's going to be uh, probably this way through March, kind of if and on. We, we're, we're hoping everything stays like it is, but it's going to be kind of an iffiness through it through March, and then we, we, we should be able to find some kind of stability then. So, uh, y'all pr pray with us as we have to make these decisions every day, <laughs> what we do. So. Do you have a life verse? Uh, do you have a verse that you quote that says, hey, this is, this kind of just sums up my relationship with Christ or my understanding of my, uh, of, of the way I'm to live my life. Uh, a lot of you quote, uh, Philippians four, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Uh, some of you quote, um, uh, Jeremiah 29. I know the plans I have for you, plans for you to prosper and not for your destruction. Uh, my verse, my verse is Jeremiah 33, three. Call to me and I will answer you. And I will show you great and wondrous things that you know nothing about. I love that verse. There's something about God's openness to, uh, to the adventure, about inviting you to come be part of what he's up to, of, of God wanting you to show, things, show us things about who he is and what he's done uh, that we will literally spend our lifetime trying to understand. You know, Jesus had a life first. He had a passage of scripture that defined who he, who he was and how he understood himself and how he understood his missions. It's found in Isaiah 61. How do we know that? Because that's the passage that Jesus read in Luke 4. Stand with me in honor of God's word. 
He came to Nazareth where he'd been brought up. And as usual, he entered the the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him and unrolling the scroll, he found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim the release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set free the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He then rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fixed on him. But he began by saying, today as you listen, the scripture has been fulfilled. He began by saying, today, as you listen, the scripture has been fulfilled. This is God's word for God's people. Hear it, believe it, and live. Let's pray together. May Jesus' understanding of who he is teach us about who we are. And we pray this in your name. Amen. What I find interesting in the, in the Gospel of Luke, as Luke begins to introduce the, the birth narratives of Jesus, he does so uh, by quoting a passage of scripture, uh, scripture passages from what we call Second Isaiah. Now, if, if you read anything about the prophets and anything about scripture, you will find out that the book of Isaiah is, is, is the first book of what we call the major prophets in the Old Testament mainly because the major prophets are the longest books. You have major prophets and minor prophets, and the major prophets and minor prophets were determined by how long the book was. Isaiah is one of the longest, and it has 66 chapters. When you read Isaiah, the first 39 chapters are about Assyria and the threat of a king called Tiglath-Pileser. I love saying that name. Tiglath-Pileser was a king of Assyria who laid siege to Jerusalem. Hezekiah prays, God answers the prayer, and Tiglath-Pileser never takes Jerusalem. In his own writings, Tiglath-Pileser said that he had Jerusalem surrounded like a bird in a cage. He never says that he took the bird out of the cage. Miraculously, Jerusalem is saved. After chapter 39, the scene changes. The scene changes to Babylon. The main enemy in in, in chapters 40 and on is Babylon. Babylon is a later kingdom. It seems that from some of the writing and context, that is implied in the writing that the people are already in the Babylonian exile. And this, is the, and this is the promise that they're going to come out of exile, that they'll be restored to their nation and restored to their land, and there will be a Messiah who comes and leads them out. But it will be a very, very different Messiah. 
In 2 Isaiah, we start seeing a change in thinking about what Messiah would look like. It goes from the heroic image of a soldier on a white stallion leading rebellion against the enemies of, uh, of God's people to one who would bear the sins of God's people. It's in 2 Isaiah where you hear things like, he laid on him the iniquity of us all. By his stripes, we are healed. The passages that we read at Easter come from this radical understanding of what Messiah would do and who he would be. And it is that image of all the images of salvation that we have in the Old Testament, it is that image that Jesus grabs hold of. Now, earlier we talked about the baptism of Jesus, where Jesus surrenders totally and completely to the will of the Father. The same prayer in the baptism that we see later in Gethsemane, not my will, but yours. That was the prayer of the baptism. We saw that, 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 that prayer and that willfulness, that, that, that surrender tested in the temptation. Why don't you turn the stones to bread? Why don't you be the kind of Messiah that, that feeds the people? Uh, why don't uh, you jump off the temple? and put on a great show for the people. Or why don't you bow down to me, Satan tells Jesus. There's no need for you to do all that the Father is asking you to do simply to end up in a place where I can give you. Right? How, how you can end up doing, being king of the world, but just worship me to do it. And he rejects all of those temptations and right out of that temptation, he's given a scroll and did you see, he found the place where this verse was. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. To do what? To preach? Proclaim, declare. Jesus, more than anything else, was a preacher. Jesus came preaching in the Gospel of Mark that doesn't have a birth narrative that just introduces us to the public ministry of Jesus, talks about when Jesus began to preach. When the crowds began to gather, the, the disciples found him one morning and said, listen, everybody's here. It's time to get started. And he said, no, we're going to go to these other cities. I'm not just going to stay here. I'm going to go to these other cities because I was called to preach there. Not a military savior. Not a political savior. Spiritual savior. 
Because the problem is sin. The problem is who we are. And that problem can't be solved by rules on the outside. That has to be solved from the inside out. How do you do that? You have to be honest about your own situation and understand that there are things that are broken that you cannot fix. There are things that are wrong that you cannot make right. And when you begin to confess that and give that to Christ and understand that he has paid for those sins. Now, one of the reasons that we don't take this seriously enough is we do not take our own sinfulness enough. You see, we say, well, Mike, I, I know I got problems. I know I'm bad, but I'm not like that guy. And if you notice, we always compare ourselves to an ax murderer, right? I know I'm not like that guy. I haven't done that. And some of us are just really shocked to think that we would be sent to hell for jaywalking, right? My sins aren't that big a deal. But we miss the point. The sin isn't whether or not you went to church or whether or not you read the Bible. The sin is who is on the throne of your life. Who is it that makes the decisions, the choices of your life? I've told you before, a lot of us run our life as we do any corporation. We, we, we are the CEO and we have a board of directors and we have everybody that we, we read and everybody that we respect are on this kind of pseudo board. Jesus is a member of our board. And when it comes to a tough decision, then we will ask Jesus his opinion. And we will consider what he says. Somebody hurts you. So you ask Jesus, what should we do? And he would say, turn the other cheek. And we said, that's interesting. Let's get somebody else's opinion. Clint Eastwood, what would you say that we do? And you will measure those opinions as if they were equal. The sin is rebellion. The sin is arrogance and pride of thinking that we're in charge and not Christ. What drove Jesus was this understanding of who he was and what he was to do because he understood the real problem with us is that we needed the gospel. And the real problem with our nation is that we need the gospel. Of Jesus Christ who came for sinners, of Jesus Christ who died for sinners, of Jesus Christ who was raised for sinners. That's where the healing starts. And that's the message you and I have. It was the mission that drove Jesus. It should be the mission that drives us. Let's pray together.
one of the parts of worship, one of the purposes of worship is to realign your focus. It's to understand where your hope comes from, where your strength comes from. I will look to the hills from which my strength comes. So we pray in these moments that your heart and your mind, your life will be focused again on Christ. And if you're listening to us and you don't know about this relationship with Jesus Christ, we'd love to talk with you about it. Some of our ministers will be in the, in the hallway outside the foyer. We'd love to talk with you. If you want to know more about that, if you want to know more about our church, stop, find one of them. They'd love to spend some time with you. If you're online, text CONNECT to 623-623. We'll be in touch with you as soon as we can. Lord Jesus, every life is now open before you, every heart. So we pray now the choices we make are exactly what you want.